Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We're going to step away from Galatians, as Tim said, for this week. We're going to talk a little bit about missions. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we say to you every week. What is it that, that Tim or whoever is giving the benediction says? What's the last thing you hear here in this auditorium? Exactly. Now, I know you think we, Tim and I sit around at home like making stuff up to tell you. Right? What are we going to say? We need to come up with something. Be disciples, make disciples. You've heard where that comes from plenty. Where does your scent come from? It comes from here in Romans chapter 1. Why do we say that to you every week? I'm going to read to you the first 17 verses of Romans chapter 1. Romans is an interesting book because Paul's never been there. He doesn't know these people. He had nothing to do with starting the church. He's never visited the church. He's having to introduce himself to them. And he kind of does that, explains who he is, what he's about, what he's doing in this first half of chapter one. So follow along with me. Romans chapter one, the first 17 verses. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son, who has to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who were called to belong to Christ, to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So Paul starts off his introduction. He says he's called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel. Now you've heard me say before that, wow, those are churchy words. Where do you ever hear the term gospel and apostle except in a church? But in Paul's world, first century AD, speaking Greek and Latin, those are normal everyday words. They have nothing to do with religion. They have nothing to do with churches. An apostle is a messenger. I've told you before that the language of the New Testament, they love to put words together to make new words. It's the word sent and the word out put together. Sent out, apo, out, away, astello, sent. It's just a, we're just taking the word and putting it into English. He says he's an apostle. It means he's a messenger. He has been appointed a messenger, and he has a message. His message is a gospel. Again, totally normal word in his word. Two little words put together, the word for message and the word for good. And so you'll see it translated sometimes, the good news. 
It's a good message. And, and it gets used all the time in his world. When something good happens, then it's a good message because there's, you know, there, there's no internet, there's no radio, there's no TV, there's no telephones. The only way you communicate with people who are somewhere else is through a messenger. You write a message, you send it off, you tell someone, hey, you know, if I want to give Tim a message, wow, I, I, you know, I'll text him, I'll call him, I'll email him, I'll, I'll do whatever. But in this world, you want to, I want to send Tim a message, I got to come down, I got to tell Denise, I make her the messenger, she goes and tells Tim, you, you need a messenger to send messages. That's what Paul says. He says, I'm a messenger, and wow, was I given a good message. He's an apostle with the gospel. Now look down a few verses to what he says in verse five. He's talking about Jesus. Through him, Jesus, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Now, who's the we? If you look up at the beginning of this letter, it's just Paul writing it. Paul, a servant of Christ. There's other letters. Sometimes it's Paul and Timothy or Paul and Silas or Paul and whomever. And that, okay, that he says we there. But this is just him. Who's the we? Is this the royal we? Like I could say, oh, we are so pleased to see you all here this morning. They don't do that in this world. I mean, they don't talk like that. And if you look through the rest of it, look at verse eight. I thank God. I serve my spirit, my witness, I remember. He never says, that's the only we in the whole passage. You know, some people think, oh, he means a special group of people, right? Like, oh, he means the apostles, like Peter and John and James. That, that's the we. We, us really important guys, we have received apostleship. The thing is, Paul doesn't really use apostle like that. If you go to the end of the book in chapter 16 where he's greeting everybody and telling everybody, oh, this guy sends you greetings, send this, tell this person this, he greets a couple people that he knows who are there in Rome. It's a couple um, named Andriacus and Junia, and he says, oh, these guys, are they're outstanding among the apostles. Anybody ever heard of Andriacus and Junia, the apostles? You know, the, the guy and the girl who were going along with Jesus? We never hear of them before in the Bible, and we never hear of them afterwards. But Paul says, oh, they're extraordinary among the apostles. Paul doesn't just use apostle to mean, oh, you know, us, the important people that, that, that Jesus commissioned. And, and look at who he says, we. What did we get? We received grace. Okay, I hope this is not a spoiler for anyone, but it is not just Peter, James, John, and those guys who got grace from Jesus. If you've hung out in Galatians for the last few weeks, you know it is not just a special group of people who got grace. And he says, we have been given this to call all the Gentiles to obedience. All the Gentiles, wow. I mean, if that's just Paul and the other apostles, they got a lot of work to do to reach the entire Roman world. And then there's this little place called China, way off in the other direction, which has probably more people than the Roman Empire does. These, these little group of guys, again, I don't think this is spoilers. It wasn't this small group of people who were called to reach the world. We talk about be disciples, make disciples. It, it comes from Jesus' great commission, the end of Matthew. The last thing he says, he calls all his followers up on this mountain. He's going to leave. He's going to ascend back into heaven. And do you remember what happens? He doesn't like take a small group of them and go, okay, 
You all, you know what? Let's just say this second. You guys come over here. All right, you're going to reach the world. The rest of you, you're fine. Go home. Don't worry about it. He says to all his followers, go into all the world and make disciples. Who's the we who's received grace? Who's the we that's been called to talk to the Gentiles? It's us. It's all of us. It's Paul. It's the Romans. It's all Christians. We have all received grace. We have all been called. We have all received apostleship, Paul says. Another fancy word in our world, totally normal word in his world. It means you're a messenger. You have been given a message. Now you need to go deliver it. You're an apostle. You're sent out by someone. Here's a message. Take it to so-and-so. You have received in his world, you have received apostleship. That's why we say it to you. That's why it's the last thing you'll hear every time you leave this building. It's the last thing you'll see on the wall as you walk out the door. You are sent. You are apostles. You have a message that you need to take. That's why missions Sunday, right? It's not, it's not about just the missionaries out there. It's about all of us in here. We are all apostles. We have all been given the same message. We've all been sent out. Now, we've been sent into wildly different places, just like Paul was. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we are all messengers. We are all called to go and take this message. Now, if that sounds scary to you, if you think like, oh my gosh, Paul, sure, traveled the world, started you know, the church in Eastern Europe, responsible for who knows how much of the spread of Christianity, I want you to look and see. Paul tells us what he does as an apostle. Again, he's never been to Rome, but he wants to go there to share the gospel. Right? And so he tells us what he does. How does he do that? What does it look like for Paul to bring the message to Rome. Look what he says in verse 8. First, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. What's the first thing Paul does? Paul the apostle. Paul, who's going to spread the gospel in Rome, what does he do first? He prays. He prays for them. He prays about them. He prays for opportunity. I pray that now, at last, by God's will, a way may be opened. He prays. Before he ever goes, before he ever talks to anybody, before he ever does anything, he prays. He prays to them. He prays to God for them. He prays to God about them. He prays for opportunities. That's the first thing that he does. And I, I hope we can all say, oh yeah, I could do that. Sure, I, I mean, I, I, I can pray for people. I can pray for God to be at work in their lives. I can pray to have opportunities. That's the very first thing Paul does. In his grand missionary strategy to reach the world, to take the gospel to Rome, he prays. That's the first thing he does. What's the second thing he does? Look at verse 11. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Impart there means to share. The word means take something you have and give it to something else. It's what John the Baptist will say to people or said to people in, previously in his world. It's like, look, if you have two shirts, share, same word, impart to, to someone who has none. Paul will tell the Ephesians the reasons we work as Christians and, and make money and save is so that we can share with people that have less. 
Paul says, I long to share with you. I mean, it's a fancy way of saying that, that Paul's going to look for ways to serve them. He's going to take what he has and he's going to share it with them to, to make them strong for their good. And I hope you're all thinking, sure, I could do that. I mean, again, I'm not asking you to do things, to take things you don't have. The word doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean go find something you don't have and give it to someone else. It means take something you do have and share it with someone else. Paul prays for them, and Paul's looking to share with them. He's looking to take who he is, what he has, what his gifts are, the way God's made him, and use that to serve the people in Rome before he ever opens his mouth, before he ever preaches, before he ever does anything. He prays, and he looks for ways to serve. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, gosh, but I have no idea. I have no idea. Who, who would I talk to? What would I do? Like, I want you to read you something from the life of Paul, right? The greatest missionary in the history of the church, the guy responsible for who knows how many church plants, maybe responsible for the church in Asia. This is from Acts <clears throat> chapter 16. This is Paul's second missionary journey. On his first missionary journey, he went to an area called Galatia. That's what we're reading about right now in Galatians. It's just north of where he grew up. He grew up in south-central Turkey. He goes just north of that into central Turkey, the region of Galatia. Then he comes home. Now, a few years later, he's going on his second missionary journey. I want you to listen to what happens to him. This is Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled around the region of Phrygia and Galatia. That's where he'd been the first time having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Asia is, is Western Turkey. It's, on the, it's the part of Turkey that's on the Mediterranean. But Paul made his first trip. He went just north of where he grew up. He went to central Turkey. On his second trip, he's like, okay, great. Let's go west. Let's go to Western Turkey. I haven't been there before. And God says no. It doesn't tell us how. It doesn't tell us whether he gets stopped at the border right? Or, you know, his visa is refused or something happens or he gets a phone call. We don't know. He, you know, there's a force field and he can't break through. For some reason, he gets to the border of the province of Asia and God says no, and he can't go in. Okay, so here's what happens next. When they came to the border of Mycia, they tried to enter Bithynia. This is northern Turkey. All right, we were in central Turkey, we tried going to Western Turkey, but God said, no, fine, we'll go to Northern Turkey. And so they just keep right on going north. But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them. Couldn't get in. Tried to go west, couldn't get in. Tried to go north, couldn't get in. So we passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. He had no intention of going to Troas, but couldn't get in anywhere else. He got into Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. Now, that, that's across the Bosphorus, over the Black Sea, like, like another continent. A man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, okay, maybe it's because I was a computer programmer. This does not seem like the most efficient way for the Almighty to lead people. The man wants to do missions. He wants to go out. He wants to share the gospel with people. He was in central Turkey. Let's go to western Turkey. That makes good sense to me. Nope, can't get in. Okay. Let's go to northern Turkey. Nope, can't get in. 
And then he has a vision. Why didn't God give him the vision before he left? He wouldn't have had to wander through central Turkey, beating his head against the door on western Turkey and northern Turkey. I don't know. doesn't tell us that, that, that anyone who's been a Christian for very long has experienced this. The Lord is not as nearly into efficiency as I am. In my opinion, tell me what to do and I'll do it. This is a very simple, where do you want me to go? Great, I'll go there. That just doesn't seem to be his way. And we can all attest that. You don't know who to pray for. You're a messenger, but you don't know who you're supposed to take the message to. Absolutely, pray. And, you know, try and go into Asia and see what happens. Jesus doesn't want you there. He'll stop it. Try and go into Bithynia. If west doesn't work, go north. Jesus doesn't want you there. He'll stop it. Maybe you'll have a vision. Maybe you'll have a dream. Maybe somebody will say, hey, come over here. I don't know. I mean, that's his business. That's not how he led Paul other times. You know, Paul tells the Romans, oh, I pray now at last by God's will, a way may be opened for me to come to you. It will be years before he comes to Rome. And when he comes, he will come in chains as a, the, the prisoner of a Roman centurion because he is on trial. He is taken to Rome as a prisoner to stand trial before Caesar. And if you flip back one page in your Bible to the last verse of the book of Acts, we're told for two whole years, Paul stayed there. That's Rome. He's in Rome where he's been taken. He's under house arrest. He stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and talked about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. It was not like he expected at all. But God did actually bring him to Rome. He did actually preach to the Romans. But it wasn't in the method that he thought. When he tries to go to Asia, where he wanted to go first, the, the, the capital city of the province of Asia, the Roman province of Asia, is Ephesus. Paul will plant the church in Ephesus. But he won't plant it going. He'll plant it coming back. He tried to go in to Asia, and he couldn't get there. Instead, he goes past Asia to Macedonia, spends a couple of years wandering around. On his way back, his ship going back to Israel will dock in Ephesus. And he will talk to people. And he'll end up staying. He won't, won't, he won't keep on his journey. He won't go back to Jerusalem. He'll end up staying in Ephesus for two years, planting the church, teaching. It becomes one of the major churches in all of early Christendom. If you've read the book of Revelation, it's one of the churches, the seven churches in Revelation to the church at Ephesus. But it wasn't the way he thought it was going to go. It wasn't, his, it wasn't the timing he thought. It wasn't how he thought. He did get there. Not at the beginning, though. It was at the end. You're a messenger. You've got a message. If you know who God wants you to take that message to, amen. Blessings on you. Go. I would still advise you to do these things. But if you don't know, heck, pray. Try and go into Bithynia. See what happens. You'll get stopped if it's not the right place. Head for Asia. If the door's shut, you won't make it. Jesus will turn you somewhere else. Okay, probably you should sleep a lot so that, you know, maybe you get a vision or a dream or something. If someone says anything to you, like, you know, what are you doing lying around? It's like, I'm waiting, you know? This is the way God leads people. I'm, I'm waiting. It happens. It's in the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 16. I'll show it to you. Try some stuff. See 
what God does. That seems to be the way he led. Now, notice what Paul finally says in verse 15. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel to you, also to you who are in Rome. He is going to open his mouth. Right? He is going to talk. He's got a message. He is going to share the message. But he's not going to share it first, and he's not going to share it second. First thing he's going to do is pray. He's going to pray for people. He's going to pray for opportunities. If he gets opportunities, if he gets to go there, the first thing he's going to do when he gets there is look for ways to serve them. How, how can we, how can I share? What can I take that I have that God's given me and share with you to strengthen you? And look at what he says in verse 12 that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. He doesn't think this is going to be bad. He doesn't think this is going to be painful. He's not thinking, okay, I'm going to come, and I'm just, it's just going to be give, 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 and I'm going to serve you, and we'll see what happens. He expects this to be mutual, back and forth. He expects this to be good, that he's going to get something as well. But the first thing he does is pray, and the next thing he does is, is serve. Look for chances to use who he is to serve people. And then... If all that works out, if God grants him all of that, then he's going to open his mouth. Then he's going to preach. You all, when we tell you at the end of the service, whoever is up here and says that in the benediction, Dunwoody Community Church, you are sent. This is what we mean. We mean that you have received a message. You're an apostle. You're a sent one. You have been sent out. You have been given a commission. You've been given a message. You, you're supposed to take it to its recipient. You are sent. If you're not sure who that is, great, pray. Look around, see where do your gifts, where does who God made you to be, where can you serve? Where can you share those things with other people? When we tell you today you are sent, that's what we mean. Every week when you hear that, these are your marching orders. Then you need to be praying you need to be looking for ways to serve. If God gives you the opportunity, oh, open your mouth, absolutely. Pray, serve, then speak. If you have the chance to speak, then speak. Now, why don't we do it? I mean, that, that's, not, that's not that hard. That, that's not difficult. I think, you know, we probably could drill that a few times. Pray, serve, speak, pray, serve, speak, pray, serve, speak. You've probably got it. I can probably quiz you on the way out the door. Okay, what are the three things? Pray, serve, speak, right? If nothing else, certainly among two or three of us at the door, we could get it. Pray, serve, speak, right? Why don't we do it? Look what Paul says in verse 14. I am obligated, both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish, I am obligated. Paul says, I, I, I owe this. I have been given a message. I must deliver it. That's his job. I think, and I, you know, I can't speak for you, I can just speak for me. Boy, there's lots of times I don't feel that obligation. I don't feel that sense of, I have been given a message and I need to deliver it. Because folks, we're gonna get asked that one day by the Lord. Now, we're not talking about salvation. We're, we're, we're halfway into Galatians, right? Salvation is by God alone, end of discussion. We're talking about the obedience that comes from our salvation. For Jesus' name's sake, we're going to be asked about that. We're not going to be asked about what anybody, whether anybody listened to our message. We're just going to be asked whether we delivered it. That's the job of a messenger. You know, you think about some you know, civil war story, right? The general writes out the orders, and he hands it to the courier, and the courier gets on his horse, and he goes over, and he delivers it to Colonel X, right? And Colonel X looks at the order and says, 
March east, that's stupid, I'm going west. Okay, that's on Colonel X. The messenger isn't going to be asked, why did you order those troops to go west? He didn't. The messenger's gonna be asked one question. Did you deliver the message? The answer is yes. Oh, that's Colonel X's problem. You're not called to make anybody agree with you? You can't, it's impossible. Like, like, you can't make opportunities happen. Again, Paul wanted to go to Rome one way, God did it another way. You can't make these things happen. It's outside your purview. You may want to go into Asia, and God's like, nope, that's not what I have for you now. Okay, fine, I'll go into Bithynia. Yeah, no, we're not doing that either. No, that's on him. Your Lord will direct you in those things. That's on him. You're just a messenger. You just go. You just share. But, but we're obligated to that part. Those other parts that are on him, that's his business. But the part that's on us, that's our business. That, we, are, we have an obligation as messengers. And then in verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I think if truth be told, sometimes we are. We're kind of ashamed. But we're kind of ashamed of the faith. We're kind of ashamed of the gospel. We don't, we don't want to get into it. We, 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 don't wanna, we don't want the baggage that will come to that. We don't want the explanations. We don't want the shame. Because absolutely, there are plenty of places in the world, there are plenty of people in the world who will shame you for believing this. They'll shame you for telling folks. We don't want the shame. Paul says, oh, I'm not ashamed. It's the power of God that brings salvation for everyone who believes. God did not make a messed up world. We did. God made a world where everything works. You just had to follow what he says. And we said, no, thank you. I'm not doing, you can't tell me what to do. I mean, we are the, 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 the land of the two-year-olds, right? You can't tell me what to do. Do it myself. God said, look, live like this. Everything will go great. We said, no, absolutely not. God did not make a fallen, messed up world full of selfish people. That's on us. But scripture says he wants everyone to turn. Everyone. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come back to him. But this is how he has decided it happens. It happens through faith in Christ. You don't get to decide how you come back to God because that's God's decision. And that's the way the world works. Has anyone ever taken a class where it says, write a four-page paper on, you know, comparing X and Y, and you say to the teacher, eh, four pages, that's really, that's really too much. I think I'll write a one-page paper comparing A and B, you know? And as long as it's a one-page paper and it compares A and B, I'll get an A, right? Because I fulfilled the requirements. Yeah, it doesn't really work that way. It doesn't work that way in your job. If your boss tells you, hey, I need X done by this time, and you say, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. You know, I think I'm going to do, instead of doing X by this day, I'm going to do Y by that a much later date. But as long as I do, but hey, I decide. As long as I do Y by that much later date, then I've done my job, right? We're all agreed. It just doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that in the world, doesn't work like that with God. God has determined this is how we fix things. This is how we make things right. All you have to do is accept. God has done the work. Like Galatians says, God has made a promise. All you have to do is agree to it. But you must agree to it. He won't make you. He will not force anyone. He wants everyone to turn and come back. 
but he will not force everyone. So he sends out messengers. That's us. We are all messengers. Pray, serve, speak. Say it with me. Ready? Pray, serve, speak. Do it again. Pray, serve, speak. If you're not sure who to pray for, pray for who to pray for. If you're not sure who to serve, try serving some folks. Try going into Bithynia. See what happens. The Lord will guide you. But these are your marching orders when we leave. When you head out each Sunday, we say you are sent. This is what you should be thinking to yourself. Okay, who am I supposed to be praying for? Lord, where are you going to give me opportunities? Who can I serve in your name for your name's sake? Where can I take how you have blessed me, how you have gifted me, who you've made me to be, and use that, as Paul says, to make others strong. And then where do you want me to open my mouth? Like, where do you want me to speak truth to people? So I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna ask God's spirit to work that truth into us. I'm gonna ask him to talk to you. Again, if you're like, oh yeah, I, I, I know who I'm supposed to be taking this message to, Amen, blessings on you. Then pray for them and look to serve them and speak to them. If you're not sure, I'm gonna pray for God's spirit to speak to you. You know, see if he puts some people on your mind. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's like, you know, family, colleagues, neighbors. Again, that's up to him. We're the messengers. He gets to decide who goes where. Messengers aren't like, again, you know, oh no, I'm supposed to take that to Asia? Yeah, I don't really like Asia. I'm gonna go over here instead, okay? we go where we're sent. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that, that you have done all the work for us to be reconciled to your Father. You have not required us to fix anything, even though we broke it all. So Lord, I pray for us. I pray for my brothers and sisters today that when we walk out of here, we would be apostles. We would be sent. We have a message. We're messengers. And our message is really good. We have the message that, that you want people to turn and come back to you, that, that you, that you love humanity, that you want people back. Like you tell Ezekiel, you, you have no desire to punish anyone. You don't want people to walk away from you. You want them to turn and come back. But Jesus, I pray for us. We are your messengers. We are your sent ones. Where do you want us to go? Who do you want us to speak to? Who are the people that you are sending us to? I pray for all my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray for everyone who listens to me, uh, either on the podcast or watches the video. I pray for all of us, Jesus, that your spirit would speak to us. We would know who it is that you are sending us to. We are sent. Who are you sending us to? I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that you would speak to us. So the rest of this service, as we leave here, as we are sent out, as we talk with the missions agencies and people out in the lobby, as we're, we're back home scattered and back in our, our own homes this afternoon, Holy Spirit, show us. You know, maybe show us because we try and kick it in. Maybe show us like you did Paul through a dream or a vision. Maybe show us through someone saying something to us. However you desire, Lord, show us where you are sending us. To whom do you want us to take? this message, this good news that you are offering salvation freely, that anyone who believes can have it. It is a promise. It is a gift to be accepted and believed. Thank you. That's really kind of you. You 
could require so much more and you could be just. But instead, you are merciful. Thank you. Thank you for this good news. Lord, I, I pray for all of us who don't feel obligated. I pray for all of us who are ashamed that you would change our hearts. Those things are not right. It's not true. This is not shameful. It is joyous. And, and this is an obligation. And that too is joyous. Lord, change our hearts. Where? Where do you want to send us? To whom do you want to send us? Remind us. Remind us to pray and to serve and to speak. And Jesus, we ask this in your name as we always do. We ask everything in your name. You are our God. We are your people. Amen.